Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kehud Malkuto Le'olam Va'ed Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Friday, September 2nd. In Revelation 1.8, Yeshua says of himself, I am the Alpha and Omega, the Aleph and Tav, the beginning and the ending, says the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. Did you know that if you read Genesis 1.1 in Hebrew, there is an Aleph Tav right smack dab in the middle of that verse? Truly, Yeshua, the Aleph Tav, is there in the beginning and the end. So, if you were reading your Bible in Hebrew, whenever you come across Aleph Tav, this is a direct reference to Yeshua. The acronym for Daily Audio Torah is D-A-T. In Hebrew, that is Dalit Aleph Tav. When you unpack that in the ancient Hebrew picture language, what it means is this, doorway to the Aleph Tav. The Daily Audio Torah is your doorway to the Aleph Tav, your doorway to Yeshua. Are you being blessed by this ministry? Please consider supporting Daily Audio Torah. You can make a one-time or a recurring donation by going to dailyaudiotorah.com and then click on the Give pick on the navigation menu. You can then make a secure online donation there. Thank you for your prayers, and thank you for your support. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the Israel Bible for the Hebrew Scriptures and from the King James for the Bread Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Shaftim, and it means Judges. Deuteronomy 20, 1-20 When you take the field against your enemies and see horses and chariots, horses larger than yours, have no fear of them, for Hashem your God, who brought you from the land of Egypt, is with you. Before you join battle, the Kohen shall come forward and address the troops. He shall say to them, Hear, O Israel, you are about to join battle with your enemy. Let not your courage falter. Do not be in fear or in panic or in dread of them. For it is Hashem your God, who marches with you to do battle for you against your enemy, to bring you victory. Then the officials shall address the troops as follows. Is there anyone who has built a new house but has not dedicated it? Let him go back to his house, lest he die in battle and another dedicate it. Is there anyone who has planted a vineyard but has never harvested it? Let him go back to his home, lest he die in battle and another harvest it. Is there anyone who has paid the bride price for a wife, but who has not yet married her? Let him go back to his home, lest he die in battle, and another marry her. The officials shall go on addressing the troops and say, Is there anyone afraid and disheartened? Let him go back to his home, 
lest the courage of his comrades flag like his. When the officials have finished addressing the troops, army commanders shall assume command of the troops. When you approach a town to attack it, you shall offer it terms of peace. If it responds peaceably and lets you in, all the people present there shall serve you at forced labor. If it does not surrender to you, but would join battle with you, you shall lay siege to it. And when Hashem your God delivers it into your hand, you shall put all its males to the sword. You may, however, take as your booty the women, the children, the livestock, and everything in the town, all its spoil, and enjoy the use of the spoil of your enemy, which Hashem your God gives you. Thus you shall deal with all towns that lie very far from you, towns that do not belong to nations hereabout. In the towns of the latter peoples, however, which Hashem your God is giving you as a heritage, you shall not let a soul remain alive. No, you must proscribe them. The Hittites and the Amorites, the Canaanites and the Perizzites, the Hivites and the Jebusites, as Hashem your God has commanded you lest they lead you into doing all the abhorrent things that they have done for their gods, and you stand guilty before Hashem your God. When in your war against a city you have to besiege it a long time in order to capture it, you must not destroy its trees wielding the axe against them. You may eat of them, but you must not cut them down. Are trees of the field human to withdraw before you into the besieged city? Only trees that you know do not yield food may be destroyed. You may cut them down for constructing siege works against the city that is waging war on you until it has been reduced. Ecclesiastes 1, 1-3, 1-22 The words of Kohelet, son of David, king in Jerusalem. Utter futility, says Kohelet, utter futility. All is futile. What real value is there for a man in all the gains he makes beneath the sun? One generation goes, another comes, but the earth remains the same forever. The sun rises and the sun sets and glides back to where it rises. Southward blowing, turning northward, ever turning blows the wind. On its rounds the wind returns. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place from which they flow, the streams flow back again. All such things are wearisome. No man can ever state them. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear enough of hearing. Only that shall happen which has happened. Only that occur which has occurred. There is nothing new beneath the sun. Sometimes there is a phenomenon of which they say, Look, this one is new. It occurred long since, in ages that went by before us. The earlier ones are not remembered. So too those that will occur later will no more be remembered than those that will occur at the very end. I, Kohelet, was king in Jerusalem over Israel. I set my mind to study and to probe with wisdom all that happens under the sun, an unhappy business, that which Hashem gave men to be concerned with. 
I observed all the happenings beneath the sun, and I found that all is futile and pursuit of wind. A twisted thing that cannot be made straight, a lack that cannot be made good. I said to myself, Here I have grown richer and wiser than any that ruled before me over Jerusalem, and my mind has zealously absorbed wisdom and learning. And so I set my mind to appraise wisdom and to appraise madness and folly, and I learned that this too was pursuit of wind. For as wisdom grows, vexation grows. To increase learning is to increase heartache. I said to myself, Come, I will treat you to merriment, taste mirth. That too, I found, was futile. Of revelry, I said, It's mad. Of merriment, what good is that? I ventured to tempt my flesh with wine and to grasp folly while letting my mind erect with wisdom to the end that I might learn which of the two was better for men to practice in their few days of life under heaven. I multiplied my possessions. I built myself houses and I planted vineyards. I laid out gardens and groves in which I planted every kind of fruit tree. I constructed pools of water, enough to irrigate a forest shooting up with trees. I bought male and female slaves, and I acquired stewards. I also acquired more cattle, both herds and flocks, than all who were before me in Jerusalem. I further amassed silver and gold and treasures of kings and provinces, and I got myself male and female singers as well, as the luxuries of commoners, coppers and coppers of them. Thus I gained more wealth than anyone before me in Jerusalem. In addition, my wisdom remained with me. I withheld from my eyes nothing they asked for and denied myself no enjoyment. Rather, I got enjoyment out of all my wealth, and that was all I got out of my wealth. Then my thoughts turned to all the fortune my hands had built up to the wealth I had acquired and won, and oh, it was all futile and pursuit of wind. There was no real value under the sun. For what will the man be like who will succeed the one who is ruling over what was built up long ago? My thoughts also turned to appraising wisdom and madness and folly. I found that wisdom is superior to folly, as light is superior to darkness. A wise man has his eyes in his head, whereas a fool walks in darkness but I also realized that the same fate awaits them both. So I reflected, the fate of the fool is also destined for me. To what advantage, then, have I been wise? And I came to the conclusion that that, too, was futile, because the wise man, just like the fool, is not remembered forever, for as the succeeding days roll by, both are forgotten. Alas, the wise man dies just like the fool. And so I loathed life, for I was distressed by all that goes on under the sun because everything is futile in pursuit of wind. So too I loathed all the wealth that I was gaining under the sun, for I shall leave it to the man who will succeed me, and who knows whether he will be wise or foolish. And he will control all the wealth that I gained by toil and wisdom under the sun. That too is futile. And so I came to view with despair all the gains that I had made under the sun. 
For sometimes a person whose fortune was made with wisdom, knowledge, and skill must hand it on to be the portion of somebody who did not toil for it. That too is futile, and a grave evil. For what does a man get for all the toiling and worrying he does under the sun? All his days his thoughts are grief and heartache, and even at night his mind has no respite. That too is futile. There is nothing worthwhile for a man but to eat and drink and afford himself enjoyment with his means. And even that, I noted, comes from Hashem. For who eats and who enjoys but myself? To the man, namely, who pleases him, he has given the wisdom and shrewdness to enjoy himself. And to him who displeases, he has given the urge to gather and amass, only for handing on to one who is pleasing to Hashem. That, too, is futile and pursuit of wind. A season is set for everything, a time for every experience under heaven. A time for being born and a time for dying. A time for planting and a time for uprooting the planted. A time for slaying and a time for healing. A time for tearing down and a time for building up. A time for weeping and a time for laughing. A time for wailing and a time for dancing. A time for throwing stones and a time for gathering stones. A time for embracing and a time for shunning embraces. A time for seeking and a time for losing. A time for keeping and a time for discarding. A time for ripping and a time for sewing. A time for silence and a time for speaking. A time for loving and a time for hating. A time for war, and a time for peace. What value, then, can the man of affairs get from what he earns? I have observed the business that Hashem gave man to be concerned with. He brings everything to pass precisely at its time. He also puts eternity in their mind, but without man ever guessing from first to last all the things that Hashem brings to pass. Thus I realized that the only worthwhile thing there is for them to is to enjoy themselves and do what is good in their lifetime. Also, that whenever a man does eat and drink and get enjoyment out of all his wealth, it is a gift of Hashem. I realized, too, that whatever Hashem has brought to pass will recur evermore. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it, and Hashem has brought to pass that men revere Him. What is occurring occurred long ago, and what is to occur occurred long since, and Hashem seeks the pursuit. And indeed, I have observed under the sun, alongside justice there is wickedness. Alongside righteousness there is wickedness. I mused, Hashem will doom both righteous and wicked, for there is a time for every experience and for every happening. So I decided, as regards men, to disassociate them from the divine beings and to face the fact that they are beasts. For in the respect of the fate of man and the fate of beast, they have one and the same fate. As the one dies, so dies the other, and both have the same life breath. Man has no superiority over beast, since both amount to nothing. Both go to the same place. 
both came from dust and both return to dust. Who knows if a man's life breath does rise upward and if a beast's breath does sink down into the earth. I saw that there is nothing better for man than to enjoy his possession since that is his portion. For who can enable him to see what will happen afterward? Second Corinthians 6, 1-13 We, Paul and his co-workers then, as workers together with him, beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. For he said, I have heard you in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I succored you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation, giving no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed but in all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God in much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in watchings, in fastings, by pureness, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold we live, as chastened and not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing all things. O you Corinthians, our mouth is open to you, our heart is enlarged. You are not straightened in us, but you are straightened in your own bowels. Now for a recompense in the same, I speak as unto my children, be you also enlarged. Psalm 46, 1-11 God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. Selah. There is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in her midst, she shall not be moved. God shall help her, and that right early. The heathen raged, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, and the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord, what desolations he has made in the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in sunder. He burns the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Proverbs 22.15 Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him.
I want to speak to you today from Ecclesiastes, and I'm going to share the introduction to the book from the Israel Bible. It's a very good introduction, and I'm just going to go ahead and share that from the Israel Bible. Megillot Kohelet, or Ecclesiastes, gets its Hebrew name from its author, King Solomon, who calls himself Kohelet. The name is related to the word Hakhel, gathering since Shlomo, or Solomon, often shared his wisdom in public gatherings. Megillat Kohelet is a book of observations on life made by the wisest man to ever live. According to the sages, it was written towards the end of Solomon's life, after he had gathered much wisdom and life experience. Fitting for a book of insight, this book was written in Jerusalem, a city known for its wisdom. Throughout Megillat Kohelet, King Solomon comments on the futility of life in this world. He warns not to be drawn to excessive celebration and instructs that it is better to pursue knowledge than pleasure. He observes that Hashem created a perfect world in which a season is set for everything. Solomon ponders the age-old question of why righteous people suffer while the wicked prosper. He illustrates how meaningless the pursuit of wealth and luxuries is and points out the things that really matter in life, such as a good reputation, charity, and good deeds. He he decries bad personality traits such as jealousy, stinginess, and anger. At first glance, certain verses in Megillah Kohelet seem inherently contradictory or antithetical to Judaism, and for this reason the sages considered not including it in the Bible. Ultimately, though, they arrived at the conclusion that Kohelet should be included, since its overall message is that life is infused with meaning when following the Word of God and His Torah. Megillat Kohelet begins by saying that the physical world on its own is meaningless and ends by stating the sum of the matter when all is said and done. Revere Hashem and observe His commandments, for this applies to all mankind. Ecclesiastes 12.13 Megillat Kohelet was originally read at the biblical Hakel ceremony described in Devarim or Deuteronomy 31. Once every seven years at the conclusion of the sabbatical year, the king would address the people who had made the pilgrimage to Jerusalem for the holiday of Sukkot. Traditionally, the king would read portions of the Torah at this ceremony. King Solomon added the words of caution that are included in his book, Megillat Kohelet, and later kings read from this scroll as well. To this day, Megillah Kohelet is read on Sukkot each year. In the land of Israel, the holiday of Sukkot falls right before the rainy season. Crops that have been harvested and dried in the fields throughout the summer are stored before the first rains come. This time of year provides a great sense of accomplishment for the farmer who has toiled all year to finally reap the fruits of his labor. To avoid getting caught up in the self-satisfaction and the materialism, Megillat Kohelet is read specifically at this time to warn a person that the goal of life is not material success, but rather the means to achieve the higher purpose of closeness 
with the Almighty. And that's the introduction to the book of Ecclesiastes. And one of the main things that we see about this book is that King Solomon, who wrote it, was considered one of the wisest men to have ever lived. So this book is just infused with great godly wisdom. And so may we glean much wisdom as we read through this book together. And may we also understand and know that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and that that is one of the seven spirits of God, is wisdom. And that Yeshua is wise. And so all of the wisdom of Ecclesiastes flows from the throne, from heaven, from Yeshua, from Abba the Father. And may that wisdom be infused into our life, and may we learn to apply that wisdom to practical situations in a practical way, that we would walk circumspectly and wisely in our lives. In Yeshua's name, Amen. Vish Mareka Yaya Adonai Anavilaka Vikuneka Yisa Adonai The Aaronic Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24 to 26. Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.